here we go. You are listening to Bible Study Wednesday on Law and Gospel. And today is January the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2020. It's the first live Bible study because we were on vacation last week. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. Now, why would we be looking at Matthew chapter 2? Because pastors were really busy, not only during the Advent and the Christmas season, but Christmas was actually, for many congregations, only one week in order to sing all those hymns. Now, where I was at, we did sing the Christmas hymns on the second Sunday of Christmas, but many congregations instead used it for the celebration of the Epiphany, which occurred on Monday, January the 6th. So we're going to be taking a look at Matthew 2, which was about the beginning of the Epiphany and the wise men coming to Jesus. So Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Well, there's a couple of things that I think are really helpful here is, first of all, we need to examine who were these wise men because we want to make sure that, well, are, are they individuals? Actually, the Greek word is magos, and therefore they're often called magi. I, I know some people like to refer to them as three kings, and that's what the one song says, we three kings from Orient are. But the fact of the matter is, we're not sure that there were just three of them. We assume there were three because there were three gifts. But upon further examination, it's quite possible that there were more than three gifts because Matthew is an author that loves to quote the Old Testament. And in quoting the Old Testament, Matthew is talking about the importance of these wise men coming. Uh, one of the best passages to look at in the Old Testament is from Isaiah. And what Isaiah says is that there are going to be coming to the Lord camels from the east, and they will be bringing gold and frankincense. Now, I think that's pretty important because Matthew is saying this is the fulfillment of what we were looking forward to as God had promised it, and it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. Now, 
There's also another prophecy fulfilled from Matthew 2, verse 1, and that was from Micah 5, verse 12. And what does that say? Well, that's talking about the place of Jesus' birth. And that becomes important because what it's saying is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Very important point that needs to be made because that's how Herod inquired of his individuals, as we're going to see in a moment, just exactly where the Christ was to be born. In fact, that's what he asked. And it's very clear that it's found in Micah. Micah is an Old Testament prophet that God gave the ability to foretell the future. And in that foretelling of the future, we find Micah 5.2 saying the following. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Micah is referring, of course, to the promises to Abraham, uh, to Isaac, uh, to Judah, to David, to Solomon, about the coming of the Christ. So in this first verse of Matthew 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Notice that the word after means Jesus had been born. But unlike many manger stables that have Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men, well, the wise men were not there at the stable because it says that they actually came to Jesus in a house. We're going to look at that a little later. And not in a stable. So we'll discuss that just a bit more when we get to it. So they came in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, who are these wise men? Well, magi are found in the book of Daniel, where Daniel is talking about wise men that often influenced the king. They themselves were not kings, but they were magi. Some of them were magicians. We believe because they saw a specific star, they could have also been astrologers. And when they saw that star, they decided to follow it. Now, why? Well, we need to remember that even though they are from the East, and some people think they were from Africa, some think from Persia, it isn't mentioned specifically in the Bible just where they were from. 
but they had been influenced by Jews who had been taken into captivity, like the Babylonian captivity. The Jews would share the message of the Old Testament with the Gentiles there. Really an important point. And Matthew is making an important point here that these were Gentiles. It's somewhat of interest to know that the first individuals that the Bible talks about that were witnesses to Jesus being born were unclean. Gentiles were just considered unclean. They were not allowed into the temple. But so also were shepherds. Because of their slaughtering of the sheep, they were considered unclean. And remember, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite don't come near the injured man thinking he may be dead. Because there was a rule in Judaism that if you touched a dead body, you had to go through a cleanliness route for some time, not being able to go into the temple. But the Samaritan, he wasn't bound by such a rule of man. He went and helped up that individual, took him to an inn, and took care of him. So we've got these astrologers coming to Herod. Now, why would they go to Herod? It appeared that the star stopped glowing. And therefore, they went to where they assumed that the king of the Jews would be born in Jerusalem. And they came to Herod. And so chapter 2, verse 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, they were aware of the fact from the Old Testament that the Messiah would be king of the Jews. And therefore, they wanted to worship him. Now, we need to examine this word worship. There are a number of words for worship, but this particular one is one that is used in reverence even to human beings. Uh, Among the Orientals and the Persians, you would fall upon your knees and touch the ground with your forehead as an expression of profound reverence. Uh, This was to people, they would do it even in the Jewish realm for the high priest if he showed up. And so it also is used in reference to God, worshiping God, and in reference to Jesus. But whether or not they believed Jesus was God is up for a question among most scholars. Now, I believe they knew he was God because Herod 
is really upset when he hears that there was a king that would take over his office. In fact, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, anytime the king is troubled, which means he was agitated, the rest of the people would be agitated also because you don't want a troubled king because you don't know how he's going to respond even to the people. So what I find really interesting is this next passage, verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, the fact that he refers to this child as the Christ, that's the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And therefore, that would be the Son of God. You cannot read the Old Testament and listen to the words of the Messiah without coming to the conclusion that this is the second person of the Trinity, whom we will call Jesus, who became the individual that would save people from their sins. Even John the baptizer, behold the Son of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. This is why I believe the wise men, is a personal belief, some scholars would disagree with me, that they knew that Jesus was divine and that their worship of him was a worship toward the divine God because I'm quite confident they would have known that Herod was asking where the Christ was to be born. Now, this is what really confuses me because he's told where the Christ is to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, as it is written by the prophet. And then we get the Micah passage. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So Bethlehem wasn't considered that big a city. In fact, when later on, Herod kills the children in Bethlehem, it's considered that there may have been only a half dozen to a dozen children that were killed of that age because Bethlehem was a small town and not considered as that big in importance. But God made it important. Why? Well, Bethlehem was where David was from, if you'll recall, that when Samuel went to find the king to follow Saul, the Lord took him to Bethlehem. And at Bethlehem, they took a look at the sons, and none of them were suitable to God 
until Samuel heard about David. And David was the youngest son taking care of sheep of Jesse's family and therefore became king of Israel. So what really bothers me is why would King Herod, having heard where the Messiah was to be born, think that he could kill the Messiah? I mean, this is Old Testament prophecy. He would be going against the word of God. But it shows you how powerful the devil is that even when you have a clear passage from Scripture, there are people who will just reject it. We're living in a time like that right now. Particularly in the last few years, there are many people in the United States, some of them are millennials, and they are called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. These are people who reject the morality of the Bible. They don't have a problem with abortion, homosexuality, living together before marriage, these kinds of things. And they're leaving the church, particularly churches that teach the morality of God. I believe that comes about because of the doctrine of evolution. I shouldn't say the doctrine, the theory, the religion called evolution. Because evolution, there's two kinds of sciences. There's the perceived science where you can do experiments and figure out all kinds of things. But then there's historical science where you have to kind of guess how old the earth is, and you have no scientific basis for doing so. You see, diamonds take from coal hundreds of years to become a diamond. And so with all the diamonds in the ground, they just assume, well, the earth must be maybe a million years old, more than a million years old, because how could all these things come about except through time. And that's why evolution has time. Now, the problem with evolution, there's no need for God. Now, there are some wayward Christians who think that's the way God created the world, but it's clear that's not how he created the world. Read Genesis 1. He did it in six 24-hour days, not billions of years. So... What happens when you believe in evolution, you also no longer believe the Bible's chronology and history of how the world was created, but you also disagree particularly with the fact that there is no morality, and there is no morality in evolution. Verse 6. So Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So he did that kind of privately. And verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. And here again, we have that word worship 
as a sign of reverence. It can be used toward God, but we know that Herod is not using it toward God. He's just trying to find out where is this child? And as we find out later, he did so in order to put the child to death. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So this is important to remember that the star reappeared. And it's quite possible it was a light in the sky that astrologers would be observing, but the general public would not. I mean, how many of you are aware when Venus is clear in the sky compared to those who have telescopes, etc.? So they went where the child was, and it was in Bethlehem. Verse 10, so when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That joy is uh, another word for gladness, and it means that that's the Christmas message. It's one of joy that the child is born. And then the next verse, 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And there we have that word worship. It's the same one that can show great reverence even to a human being. But it also is used in worship of God and specifically Jesus Christ. So, well, it's kind of an open question. Notice that they don't come to the stable. They come to the okaya or okia, which is the word for house. It's a dwelling. And, and therefore, obviously, they had moved to the house from the stable. And they offered him gifts. Gold and frankincense are wonderful gifts given to a king at times. Frankincense tree is a perfume. Now, those two are mentioned in Isaiah, that those who are riding camels will bring gifts. But they also mention the word myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. And in the Greek, it's samora. This is a bitter cum, gum, and costly perfume, which comes from a tree in Arabia or Ethiopia. And it's attained by making incisions in the bark. And it becomes an antiseptic, but it was also used for embalming. Can you imagine that? That the Lord uses it for embalming. There we have the cross. 
And no wonder Mary pondered these things in her heart. Now, the wise men get a dream not to depart back to Herod. They go another way. And um, then an angel comes to Joseph, tells him to take off to Egypt because Herod is going to try to kill him. And he stays there until Herod dies after killing infants in Bethlehem. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, you probably heard that the United Methodist Church is going to be splitting. We're going to be talking about that because it has some significant importance for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. That's on the next Long Gospel with Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. We took a look, therefore, at the wise men who were coming to see Jesus. We don't know if there were just three. We know that they came later after he was born. And we know they brought even the gift of embalming fluid, pointing again to Jesus' Listen crucifixion. To each weekday morning God bless. KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.